Welcome to Breaking Bread. Welcome to Fellowship in the Word with Minister Daniel Abola. Here is where you receive insights about God's Word that will stir you to action. Be blessed. We're talking about salvific grace and not just not just grace that saves but what that grace also affords us after salvation i said in the introduction that it is the same grace that saves that continues with us and we're talking about uh what must i do to be saved uh i i did mention also that we'll be going back to the basics and i just want to really emphasize something in this i want to bring something important out so uh in this we are going to be looking at what i call the savior centeredness of salvation the savior centeredness of salvation and so you probably might have seen the title and we're expecting what you should really do to be saved and we're going to get we're going to talk about that too but it's more important that we focus on what god has done because it's in that that we will know what we should do so i'm going to be doing more of a defense and i'll be touching aspects of soteriology that is salvation and uh I might not I might not say it ex- explicitly so but just follow me pay attention so first why salvation let's talk why salvation and I'm doing this for the sake of skeptics and the agnostics and those that uh, are not quite in belief yet or are still seeking answers why salvation and you know what the approach of salvation is so perfect it's very perfect if god was a man his approach would have been a lot more different he would probably have first tried to make man acknowledge his sin before providing salvation so he will probably appear to Abraham and you know first lambasting you sinner and you know just paint who he, who he actually is and then at the end Abraham will now of course feel very bad feel very sorry and if he's wise then you now ask for salvation okay which way forward now but god's approach was different he says abraham come out of your father's house to a land to which i will show you and so the approach god took for salvation was so different and so we go back to genesis chapter 1 from verse 3 the very beginning and we see god's announcement of salvation it says Genesis 1 3 and God said let there be light and there was light and we see in 
second uh, Corinthians chapter four from verse six, we see there that for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we see that God saying, let there be light at the beginning was God's announcement of salvation. We didn't know it at first, but now we know. Now we see in the New Testament that when God said, let there be light, he was talking about Jesus Christ. And that was his announcement of salvation. That was his announcement of salvation. If you um, need more, should I say, proof on this, read um, John chapter 1. Read John chapter 1. And you know the funny thing about this is that people think that God announced salvation or people think that God's salvation plan which was before any and everything was created people think that God did that because he knew or he anticipated that man was going to sin and I find that very funny because most times or most cases that I've heard it is people trying to you know reach skeptics and you know trying to answer their funny questions I say funny questions because those guys don't really ask the right questions most of the time they don't ask the right questions but let me tell you something that wasn't God's plan at all it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't an attempt to fix salvation was not an attempt to fix a mistake that God had made and if it was so then probably God is myopic and he can't really see the end from the beginning as he claims but that's not the case God announcing salvation at the beginning was not a backup plan it was not a backup plan you we really need to understand God's idea of salvation and like i said we see this reviewed in the new testament paul tells us in ephesians 1 ephesians 1 from verse 1 to 10 ephesians 1 long read but just follow me follow me ephesians 1 from verse 1 to 10 paul an apostle of jesus christ by the will of god to the saints which are at ephesus and to the faithful in christ jesus grace be to you and peace from god our father and from the lord jesus christ Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So we see that we have been or we had been chosen, or we have been chosen before the foundation of the world verse 5 says having predestined or predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the to the praise 
of the glory of his grace wherein he had made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace do you see that verse 8 wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence having made having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he had proposed in himself verse 10 that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on the earth even in him so this was God's idea this was God's plan when he said let there be light at the beginning this was what God saw that in the fullness of times he will gather into Christ all things another translation puts that he would bring all things under the authority of Christ whether they be in heaven or on the earth we read verse 4 he says as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world so you see here explicitly now that salvation was not a backup plan and it's because of the way we understand salvation we need to see that our redemption our restoration is a part of salvation but it's not it's not the entirety of it God had his own purpose in salvation God had his own purpose in salvation hallelujah so it's God's idea of salvation wasn't just because of sin or because of uh, man's fallen nature God is not someone that needs a backup plan let me tell you something God's plan God's purpose in Christ was more than enough to take care of the fall I'll say it again God's plan and purpose in Christ was more than enough to take care of the fall and any other thing that might have happened do you understand what I'm saying but what I'm trying to say is that what this shows us is the proactiveness of God in salvation it's the proactiveness of God in salvation we're talking about why salvation so follow me still follow me still so we need to understand that salvation is first God's idea for you in his plan salvation is first God's idea for you in his plan and this scripture that we just read Ephesians 1 from verse 1 to 10 we see it in other passages of the Bible I want to show us I think one or two more first Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 6 first Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 6 it says how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that is come to naught but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery even the hidden wisdom 
which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Did you see that? So there was an ordination. God planned. We are talking about God's purpose in salvation. There were things that God had planned and proposed for us. For our glory. Hallelujah. Verse 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So we see, especially in that same Ephesians chapter 1 that we read, we see Paul talking about things that were hidden. Things that God hid right from the foundation of the world. And we find out that those things were not necessarily hidden from us, but they were hidden for us. And now they have been made, they have been made known unto us by the Spirit. We see these things in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So salvation is first God's idea for you in his plans. Second Timothy 1:8. Let's just quickly run there. We still have a long way to go. Second Timothy 1:8. Says, Be down. Therefore, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Paul speaking. Sorry, but be... Oh, I must have mixed up the scripture. I must have mixed up the scripture. If I find it, I will let us know. Let's move on. So, we need to understand that it's more of an inheritance. It's more of an inheritance. We see that in Hebrews 1.14. Or just the book of Hebrews, I think, read from chapter 1 to 2. We'll see, you see more of these things in light. Talking about what God had planned. What God had preordained. But he, he talks about it more in the context of who Christ was and what Christ did. But we, if you read it, you see where man features in that plan. Hallelujah. So it's more of an inheritance because it's not just redemption. It's an ordination. Did you get that? It's, salvation is not just redemption. It's an ordination. We see that we have an inheritance. Ephesians 1, I think verse 14, talks about uh, the Holy Spirit as an earnest of our inheritance. The word earnest there means a down payment. The Holy Spirit which we received at salvation is an earnest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's more of an inheritance than a remedial action to our fallen nature. And I'm in no way saying that uh, what Christ did for our, uh, what's that word again? What Christ did for in our redemption is not part of it or it's not important. It's important, but that wasn't God's main idea. That wasn't God's main idea. God had already said, let there be light before he even created the man that fell. Do you understand what I'm saying? I need you to, I need you to see it 
from this light, from this perspective. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we see that God took the first step in salvation. God was proactive in salvation. But remember, we are talking about the Savior-centeredness of salvation. So God took the first step. God took the first step. He made the provision. Romans 5 verse 8 says, For while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Christ died. While we were yet sinners, why we did not know, we, did, we didn't know that we, need, we, we needed save, saving. We didn't know, we didn't really know what was going on. I'm sure many of us could re, can relate, I mean, can relate with this. We didn't know what was going on, but God had made a provision already. And this is one of the emphasis I'm trying to make, especially re, to to the skeptics and agnostics out there. It's not about you trying to connect with a God that you think uh, is bossy and does whatever he wants. It's God reaching out to you. It's God reaching out to man. Because let me tell you something. Um, My pastor would say that there are certain relationships that you cannot you cannot really build per se except those people uh, instigate that relationship for example now the president of your country you can't just walk up to him and you know say uh, I want to have a relationship with you sir or ma'am I want to be your friend and the likes I mean there is there is protocol around these people. You can't just walk up to the president on a normal day. And it's the same with God. God has... God is so big. God is so transcendent that he has to be the one to instigate the relationship with man. And that is what we did. I mean, that is what he did. Because that's what we see in salvation. God made the provision. God was proactive. He was the one who reached out first. And that changes everything. The fact that God made the first move, that he approached you first, that he was the one that set all things in motion. He started and he finished the work in Christ Jesus. And now we love we love him. We can say that we love him because he first loved us do you understand what i'm saying do you understand what i'm saying hallelujah man did not look for god god reached out to man and this is the why of salvation this is the why of salvation it is god's will for you first it is a show of his lavish love are you are you with me this Um, I don't know what time you might be listening to this, but are you with me? It is first God's will for us, as we've read in Ephesians 1. And then it is to save us from sin and to place us in his purpose. And so God fulfilled his will in Christ Jesus. And this is salvific grace. This is salvific grace. 
the savior centeredness of salvation so it's not is it's less about what what can i do to be saved it's more about what has god done or what did god do it's the savior centeredness of salvation that god started it and finished it god started it and finished it and you know i i initially had a plan to to you know give a narration or a breakdown of salvation you know right from the beginning how it started uh who god what what did god tell um abraham and you know how the promise kept on passing down until it was fulfilled in christ jesus but i wanted you to see this first i wanted you to see it from this perspective first and i believe it changes things it changes things hallelujah all right let's read romans chapter 5 from verse 8 to 21 it's a long read not a long read romans chapter 5 from verse 8 to 21 salvific grace salvific grace romans 5 8 are you there read with me read with me it says but god commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us verse 9 much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to god by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life and not only so but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now by whom we have now received the atonement verse 12 wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world that is through Adam and death by sin and so death death then passed upon all men for that all have sinned so because one man sinned and because we were we all came from that one man we all partook of his sin verse 13 for until the law sin was in the world but sin is not imputed when there is no law Uh, that's that's another teaching for another day nevertheless death reigned from adam to moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come verse 15 but not as the offense so also is the free gift for if through the offense of one many be dead much more the grace of god and the gift by grace which is by one man jesus christ has abounded unto many and not as it was by one that sinned so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification verse 17 for if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one jesus christ therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation 
even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men all men unto justification of life so he's saying that if because one man sinned judgment came upon all men to condemnation it follows that same principle it would follow that same pattern it says even so the righteousness of one will come upon all men unto justification of life hallelujah hallelujah that's 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 beautiful that's wonderful verse 19 for as by one man's obedience many were sorry as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous i'm going to talk about um righteousness consciousness next sorry righteousness consciousness that's what the next teaching is going to be about and we're just going to go deeper into this most especially around we're going to be um centering around the book of romans and i want you to please anticipate that it's going to be wonderful verse 20 moreover the law entered that the offense might abound but where sin abounded grace did abound grace did much more abound i want you to say that again for where sin abounded grace did much more abound that as sin had reigned unto death even so my grace reigned through righteousness unto eternal life by jesus christ our lord hallelujah so this was just like a little breakdown or a summary of what happened in the first man of whom we were all partakers and what now then happened in christ of whom every man is called to be a partaker hallelujah hallelujah so we see god's salvific grace come to play we see god's salvific grace come to play that because one man sinned because one man fell and we all came from that one man in in a way we were made to be partakers of that man's disobedience of that man's sin and this is salvific grace that because of one man's obedience in that seems in that same similitude because of one man's obedience that is jesus christ's obedience and sacrifice we have been made to be partakers of that same obedience by grace hallelujah 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 and so cornelius we're 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 getting to to where i'm heading to we're almost there and so cornelius in acts chapter 10 run there quickly cornelius in acts chapter 10 it says it says there was a certain man in caesarea called cornelius a centurion of the band called the italian band a devout man and one that feared god with all his house which gave much arms to the people and prayed to god always he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of god coming into him 
and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose son name is Peter. He lodged there with one another Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now I want you to pay attention to verse 6. It says, He will tell you what you ought to do. He will tell you what you ought to do. I hope you, you followed the story. Cornelius was a man that feared God. He had been praying, you know, uh, was a devout man, uh, offered up offerings. And then one day, God remembered him. Came, God sent an angel to him and told him that, oh, today is your day of remembrance. Now, send for one named Peter. He will tell you what to do. He will tell you what to do. Acts chapter 9, from verse 1 to 6 again. And so, talking about Saul or Paul as we know him as Paul, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, talking about um, the believers now, whether they, they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard the voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go to the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Hallelujah. I want you to pay attention again to uh, verse 6. It says, What will thou have me to do? What will thou have me to do? Acts chapter 2 from verse 37. Acts chapter 2 from verse 37. Now, when they heard this, now, this was after, uh, this was at Pentecost, and the, and the Holy Spirit was poured on men, and a lot happened, and people rushed in, they were wondering what was going on, and Peter gave an exegesis. And verse 37 now says, Now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? What shall we do? Let me tell you something. This is the most important question a man can ask. This is the most important question a man can ask. We're looking now at what what should you do then? What should you do then? We've had what God did for us in salvation. And now we want to look at what should you do? Acts 16 from verse 30 acts chapter 16 from verse 30 it says and brought them out and said okay this was this was uh after 
they had taken in Paul and Silas, thrown them in the prison, and what happened next was that they prayed and they sang, and something spectacular happened. Says scripture says the walls of the prison shook around them, and the gates and the bars that held them were flung open. And then this particular prison guard woke up suddenly from his sleep and he saw every uh he saw all the gates opened and he was about to you know kill himself because he thought that all the prisoner prisoners had escaped and paul called to him with a loud voice do yourself no harm and when he came scriptures in verse 30 says and he said unto them came brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And hear what Paul says, or what they said. He says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Believe on what Christ did. Believe on his obedience believe in his sacrifice hallelujah this is also the grace of god in salvation that the word of god is near you in your heart and in your mouth that if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus and you shall believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you shall be saved hallelujah for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation what i just read is romans chapter 10 from verse 8 to 10. what this means in essence is that is that what you believe in your heart should be consistent with what you say and this is how we get saved this is how we get saved we believe in the obedience we believe in the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that is all it takes and this is part of God's grace that it is not of works it's not there's, there's nothing you can do there's nothing you can do to save yourself yes there's, there's there's no uh, standard that a man can attain to of his own self and say oh I am finally saved. Scripture says, while we were yet without strength, we couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't. And this is simply how we get saved. That we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths. And then we are saved. Hallelujah. That is all it takes. Men and brethren, that is all it takes to be saved that we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths and we shall be saved and we shall be saved and we become partakers of this grace hallelujah hallelujah